Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So I know that you have heard me say this over and over again, but I'm saying it again, uh, that 2023 is our year with Jesus. And uh, again, I will just repeat it as often as I need to. We want to be uniquely Christian. And so we are focusing only this year on the life and the teachings and the way of Jesus in hopes that as we spend time with Jesus, that we could learn about Jesus and ultimately embody this way of being in the world. So we're starting a new conversation that we're going to walk through um, throughout the summer. And just like we're doing now through this year together as a community, the, the people who lived and breathed around Jesus, the, the folks who were following Jesus, they were trying to make sense and figure out who he was, who this person was, right? He, he's doing really wild things. Like We know some of the stories, but if you could imagine seeing them happen unexpectedly, it would be pretty surprising. Jesus is healing people. He's forgiving people, which is what God is supposed to be doing. He's a Jewish rabbi from a carpenter's family, and he just starts healing people on the side of the road. And he's, he's speaking on behalf of God, and all of a the sudden, there are thousands and thousands of people that are following him around. And at the same time, there's another group of people that are calling, literally yelling out for him to be arrested and crucified. And then after this Jewish rabbi from a carpenter's family turned healer, after he's tracked down by the Roman authorities, a mix of religious extremism and violent nationalism sought to execute him, and they succeeded. This son of a carpenter from a rural town turned rabbi, turned healer, dies. And then he raises from the dead. And that is also a pretty wild thing to happen. And as the earliest Christians start to realize that this teacher, their rabbi, who so many have followed, that this teacher may be from God in some way, and in fact may actually be God, these earliest Christians start to write down the things that Jesus did and said. And specifically from those writings, we get four accounts of Jesus. And these four accounts are from four followers, four apostles of Jesus. These are our four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the last of these accounts is from the apostle John. It's probably written about the year 95, so it's a, really a long time, six decades after Jesus has died, raised from the dead, and ascended to heaven. John is the last eyewitness to the miracle of Jesus. And John writes uh, with a lot of mystery and metaphor and poetry. It's meant to be beautiful, but also sometimes kind of confusing. And over the summer months, we're going to be walking all the way through the Gospel of John together. Just one little chunk at a time, hopefully we'll hit all of the highlights in John's unique, wonderful, mysterious uh, Gospel account. And so today, we're going to start right at the beginning in John chapter 1. This is a pretty uh, popular passage um, that, that you might know. It is... A, it is um, 
really sets the tone for the rest of the book of John, the Gospel of John, in that it is poetic and unique and metaphorical and a little bit complicated. But let's read it together. This is what John chapter 1 says, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This might be a phrase that's familiar to you. In the beginning was the Word. This is supposed to be a poem, and it reads pretty um, dense. Like it, it, It's a dense uh, section of scripture. And what John is doing here, um, he's unfolding this poetic metaphor. So again, if you could just imagine being an early reader of this text, right? We, uh, we maybe, maybe you know this phrase. We've heard of Jesus being the word. Maybe you've heard uh, this passage read like every Christmas at some church service, right? The light has shined in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. We've heard these phrases, but if you could imagine being an early reader of this poem from John chapter one, it reads as an unfolding metaphor, right? So he starts, in the beginning was the word, okay? That doesn't mean anything yet. That's a confusing phrase. And then he says that the word is a he, so you go like, okay, well now this wor- the word is a person. And okay, so this person created in, uh, participated in creation. In him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Again, kind of dense poetry. But you go, okay, well then this person might be from God. And then, okay, this person is divine. Uh, and then no one has ever seen God, but the word shows us who God is. So okay, this is all starting to make a little bit more sense that John is unfolding what it means that Jesus is the Word. And it starts confusing on purpose. And the word here, the word, is translated from a Greek word, logos, L-O-G-O-S. And uh, logos means word, obviously. It also means speech or voice or utterance. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the speech of God. Jesus is the voice of God. And what I want you to hear today about John chapter 1 is that Jesus is what God has to say. That that Jesus coming into the world is how God communicates to us. Communicates who God is, that no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God shows us who God is really is, is what John says. Jesus is the voice of God. When when God wants to say something to humanity, he sends Jesus. And this title for Jesus as the Word of God, the voice of God, it stands apart from the other titles that are given to Jesus in the New Testament because it describes the function of Jesus, like what what Jesus is doing. The other other titles primarily describe uh, who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of Man. But the Word, Jesus being the Word, is a functional description. 
Jesus is what God has to stay. Jesus is the voice of God, the words of God. No one has ever seen God, but in Jesus, God is revealed to us. Jesus is what God has to say. And this should be revolutionary to us, especially if you grew up in a religious culture that told you that the word of God was the 52 books and maybe the English Standard Version of the Bible, uh, maybe the King James Version, if you uh, grew up really intense. If you grew up as a person of the book, then you maybe worshipped the Bible. And the same was true for the folks who were reading this in the first century when John wrote it. The first century Jews were uh, Torah lovers. That, that is what defined them. The, the Torah was how they knew and understood God. The Torah was the word of God. That's how it's described in the Old Testament. But now John is saying in his gospel that it's not the Torah that's the word of God, it's Jesus. And Jesus himself takes on this claim in Matthew chapter 18 when he says, maybe you've heard this phrase, where two or three gather in my name, there I will be with them. But Jesus is really quoting a rabbinic phrase there, the common rabbinic phrase, the the phrase that other rabbis were saying at the time, where uh, where two or more gathered to read the Torah, God will be with them. So what Jesus is saying is, I am the true word of God. If you want to encounter God, if you want to understand God, if you want to hear from God, then look to Jesus. It was a revolutionary and radical claim. This is what Brian Zahn says. Jesus is the true and living word of God. Jesus is what the law and prophets point towards and bow to. Jesus is what the Old Testament was trying to say but could never fully articulate. Jesus is the perfect word of God in the form of a human life. God couldn't say all he wanted to say in the form of a book, so he said it in the form of Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say. And so many of us have a view of God that is biblical, but it isn't Christ-like. It's biblical, but it isn't Christ-like. And folks who claim to be and appear to be Christian in the last couple of years, last few years, uh, especially in America, Christians, a certain group of Christians, have kind of put all their eggs in the basket of having, maybe this is a new phrase to you, a biblical worldview. Biblical worldview. It's a a, um, popular phrase in the circles that I run in. Uh, Last year, there was a huge multi-million dollar survey conducted to determine if American Christians really had a biblical worldview. And they conducted this uh, large survey with thousands of people, millions of dollars spent to determine how biblical Christians were, but they never asked about Jesus. We aren't biblicists. We don't worship the Bible. I promise that you don't want to experience biblical manhood or biblical womanhood. You don't need to go to any of those conferences. You don't want a biblical marriage. Biblical marriage. That's uh, multiple partners, concubines. That's how biblical marriage is defined. We worship the true word of God. We are Christians. We don't need a biblical worldview. Maybe it's not the Bible that's been competing uh, with Jesus for you. Maybe it's American exceptionalism or patriotism or the two-party system or your understanding of the Constitution. Maybe you don't even know it but it's white supremacy or homophobia or patriarchy that have been competing in your heart and soul with the real true way of Jesus. 
And in case you just need to be reminded today, God is not white. God is not American. God is not a man. And there have been sweet grandmas and angry pastors, accidental Sunday school teachers or YouTube videos, politicians that have told all of us, this is what God says about fill in the blank. This is what God says about women. This is what God says about LGBTQ folks. This is what God says about how to vote. This is what God says about how to dress or how to spend your money or how to worship. And all of those opinions have gotten in the way of the true and living word of God. Jesus is what God has to say. And it is now June, and June is Pride Month. Happy Pride. And I think it's important to see what Jesus says about LGBTQ issues. You can read the Gospels. It will not take you long. There is nothing in them. <laughs> and we're, uh, we're three weeks out from the one-year anniversary of uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned. So maybe take a moment and try to look up what Jesus says about abortion. And 4th of July is coming up. Maybe uh, you could look up in the Gospels what Jesus says about democracy or conservatism, trickle-down economics. There's nothing in there. And in the way that I grew up, being a Christian in my Southern Baptist church, the real Holy Trinity was being pro-life, anti-gay, and Republican. That's what it meant to be a Christian where I grew up. But if you read the Gospels, if you look at all the red letters, there's nothing in there from Jesus. But if you read through them carefully, you'll see this in Matthew chapter 5. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Or in Matthew chapter 22, love your neighbor as yourself. Or in the Gospel of John, Jesus repeats himself over and over again with a similar refrain. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so now you must love one another. Or by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Or, or as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in love. Or my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus is the word of God, the speech of God, the voice of God to humanity. And God is love. Hear me today. Love became flesh and dwelt among us. Love is what God has to say. If Jesus is what God has to say, then love matters most. Just read through the Gospels. It's not these cultural ideas we've given. It's not about having the right theology or agreeing about the perfect ideas about the Bible. It's definitely not these political matters. Love matters most. Love became flesh and dwelt among us. And so for you, how have you formed your story about who God is? This is your theology, the story you tell yourself about who God is. How have you formed that story? Maybe from the Bible, maybe from your family of origin, or a leader, a mentor you had, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it's just a movie that you have some movie in your mind that represented God as a grumpy old white guy with a white beard. We all imagine God to be some kind of way. And I just wonder why you imagine God to be the way you do. 
How did you get there? What's the line to your theology? And I wonder if you think the life and the teaching of Jesus is in opposition to the way you've imagined God to be. And I know that that might seem hard to understand, but I think for a lot of us, we imagine God to be one way and we put it over here. And we imagine Jesus to be nice and gentle and we put it over here and they are two different conversations, right? Sometimes we think of God the Father and Jesus the Son as like a cosmic good cop, bad cop routine, right? God is mean and judgy and Jesus comes to earth to do like a massive PR campaign for his grumpy dad. And how could you start to filter your religious beliefs and your personal values through the life and the teaching and the way of Jesus? How could you start to retell the story of your theology through Jesus? Maybe less about the Bible. Maybe less about what a mentor or a Sunday school teacher told you or your family told you even. How could you start to filter your religious beliefs and your personal values through the way of Jesus? Maybe you could just hold them all up to the standard of love. You said, this belief I hold, this value that's important to me, how does it measure up to the standard of love? Is this loving? And that's the question. And if you want to turn this year with Jesus that we're doing into a life with Jesus, then lead a life of love. That all of your theology, all of your religious beliefs, all of your personal values, all of your relationships, root them deeply in love. Jesus is what God has to say. Love became flesh and dwelt among us. So when it comes to our theology, our beliefs, our values, our relationships, our life, love matters most. If you've been around here for any amount of time, you probably know this about me at this point, but over the last you know, five, ten years, I've changed my mind about a lot of things in regard to my, you know, personal and theological beliefs. And because of that, because I've changed my mind about all of these things, uh, people ask me sometimes why I'm still a Christian. It's a good question because I have the same questions that a lot of you do about the legitimacy of the institutional church. I have questions about how sacred this biblical text is. I have questions about who Jesus was. I have the same questions you do. And so with all of those questions, people sometimes ask me, why stay a Christian? And I usually have a one-word answer, Jesus. And I know that that is the cheesy Sunday school answer, but what I'm telling you is I'm not a Christian because of the Bible. I'm not a Christian because of my parents. I'm not a Christian because of my nation of origin. The story of Jesus, the story of incarnation, is being birthed everywhere, that good things are springing up. The story of death and resurrection that just keeps happening everywhere. It's Jesus. And listen, if you you can't get on board with some passage in the Bible, like Romans 9 or some other wild story, if you don't know if you believe in a flood uh, that killed, that God sent a flood to kill everyone except uh, one family and a few animals two by two, or you're not sure in a seven-day creation, you can't get on board with the Bible, uh, it's okay. Uh, if you can't be a Republican, I promise you it's okay. 
If you feel hesitant to associate yourself uh, with a religion that has participated in so much harm, it's okay. I understand. But today, just be compelled, be intrigued, be invited in by the story of this man that 2,000 years ago changed history. All of time speaks to the transforming power of Jesus. This Jesus who was a rabbi from a carpenter's family in a small rural town that starts healing the sick and forgiving the sinner and speaking on behalf of God with thousands of people following him and thousands who want him dead. This Jesus who is tracked down, falsely accused, put on trial, and executed. And this son of a carpenter from a rural town turned rabbi, turned healer, who is forgiving sins and speaking on behalf of God, dies. But the story doesn't end there. This first century rabbi raises from the dead and a revolution begins that changed history. And I am a Christian because Jesus is what God has to say. And when God wanted us to see who God really is, God sent Jesus. Love became flesh and dwelt among us. We don't worship the Bible. We don't worship our own rightness. We don't worship our theological views. We definitely don't worship our country of origin. We don't hold to this faith because of our family values. We worship Jesus because Jesus is what God has to say. So I know that you're watching on a screen today or maybe listening, but if you would be willing, if you would open your hands like this, just a posture of receiving, just point them up and gather, this is my prayer for all of us today. Love is what God has to say. So open your heart to receive the voice of love that speaks belovedness over you. No judgment, no condemnation. There is no test. There is nothing required. Only love. Open and receive. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.